All right, Brando, I got some coffee for you to try. Coffee? On your upcoming family vacation. It's from the Abyss Coffee Company. Nice. What what uh what blend did we get? I th- this is the Calypso. The Calypso. That is uh, in honor of Jacques Cousteau's birthday, eh? Very yeah, just Less- a couple weeks ago, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Was it a couple weeks ago or was it was it last week? Come on. Compared to when this episode <laughs> airs, it'll be a couple of minutes. Well, yeah, you're always thinking. You're always one Shh, step ahead. Don't of give me. them away. Shh, don't give them, give it away. Yeah, the uh well this is about the goddess Calypso, but yeah, shout out to old JC. Well, I think the Calypso boat was the goddess Calypso as well. I also think that the goddess Calypso was was the goddess the Calypso. Goddess Cal- Clairvoyant that <laughs> she knew she'd be a coffee one day. <laughs> but this is what you would expect of a goddess Calypso. It's coconut cream kind of a toast to uh to this flavor sweet and nutty go over and get some people at the abyscoffeeco.com type in code tgdp save yourself some money that's what your wife says about you james that i'm uh, i'm sweet and nutty. sweet and nutty <laughs> <laughs> uh that's been me for many years yeah it's not a bad combo and real quick, Brando. Hit me. We we should mention our other sponsor, Manscaped. We want to mention it right now. Okay. You're, can you see this picture here? I can. Beginner's Guide to Diving. Yeah. What can you see the can you see the face of this dude? I can see the face of that dude. What is his name? He looks familiar. Hey, hey, okay, hey, he looks I'm, like so- every other guy from the late fifties. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like he should be in the uh, yeah, back of a comic is, uh, book, uh, kicking sand in some skinny kid's <laughs> face on the beach. <laughs> you know, like back in back in these days, if you were a captain in the U.S. Air Force, you you had a look to you. Hell yes, goddamn it! And, and he's got it. And this is pre manscaped, by the way. Well, back then though, you didn't really need it because everything just grew perfectly. We're, we didn't, well, didn't have hairy beasts out of control like we have today. Well, their nether regions were probably a bit hairy. They didn't really do oh, any yeah. down, downstairs but, manscaping back in those yeah, days. Yeah, they didn't talk about it either, though. But but topside, <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the flat top this captain's got, I mean, this is like, like a picture-perfect military guy, like just pointing at you, poking you in the chest, and yelling at you. <laughs> is that what you guys think? That's all we did in the military. That's all we do It's just... Call each other yell. maggots and yell. That's all you yes. do. Is yell. Your easiest day was yesterday, and it's not like uh, the military I was in, the Kiss Army, <laughs> 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 where we just, you know, wanted to rock and roll every night and party every day. Yeah. So hey. We mentioned last week about that old Skin Diver article that I wanted to find. Yes, we referenced about, about it, yeah. decompression and the single tank. Yes, it's uh, it's impossible. It's impossible to enter decompression zone with a single seventy-two. It's a physical <laughs> law. It's if you look in the physics book. 
wait a minute. Let, let's go back old school. Oh, was oh, this oh. in the uh, the original 15, <laughs> 10, <laughs> 10 commandments? Yeah. <laughs> these, these 15. I think that, that reference is getting even more obscure, I think, as, uh, as time goes by. But it was taught for many years that, that that was the beauty of that original Steel 72, which was really, you know, a Steel 71.2, which in reality was really just a Steel 64.6 if you really did the math on it. If you really did the math, it was a 64.6, yeah. Yeah, because it was, I mean, the, the bottle was marked at 2250 with a plus right. rating. And the plus rating is what gave it the 71.2. Yeah, yeah it jumped it so up another uh, 10%. Right. And that's kind of what this article talks about. And this Air Force captain was in disagreement about the fallacy that you can't go into decompression based off of the size bottle. Ah. But the... The word that ran around the community at the time, even, you know, through instructors and, I mean, they were passing that down to students and divers and the idea that a 72 was that perfect, perfect size that you couldn't incur any decompression because you'd go through the air before you would hit that NDL mark. Yeah, I think it, somebody suggested it, it sounds pretty cool and, uh but not really verified, and it became urban urban legend in the scuba community. There's a there's an idea for a book, the urban legends of scuba, so like the Paul Bunyans of <laughs> of the diving world. <laughs> I was going to say more like chupacabras or something like that. <laughs> urban legend. So yeah, Robert D. Smith, captain of the United States of American. Air Force. Smitty. Smitty. Good old Smitty wrote this article in 1969. Back when, by the way, uh, the U.S. Navy dive tables had a 25-minute NDL for 100 feet. Son of a bitch. Those were the good old days. Those were the good old days. Yeah, then then it was cut to 20. Yeah. That kind of became a standard. And... I mean, a lot of the computers now are 18, 17, yeah. 16, you know. What's Patty's now? The, on the, just at the 100 air, feet. at the air dive, dive table is 20 minutes. Oh, it's still 20? You know, I haven't looked at the Patty tables in six months. <laughs> <laughs> Your memory. Yes. Short-term memory is going. But you'll, but you'll never forget that time that you uh, walked up on that beach in Cyprus and, and naked, <laughs> naked ladies. Half, half that, naked. That, that long-term memory is still in there. The short-term well, stuff's going. That's a sign. It makes an imprint on your brain, you know? Alters your life, your, the uh, decisions you make. Whenever and wherever divers gather... Their conversation centers on diving, old Smitty tells us. The Pioneer's April trip to Bakerton, West Virginia was no exception. In fact, 
it was quite lovely because one subject discussed was that of decompression and the asserted absolute safety of the standard single tank. Now, by the time I came around, I mean, what, did you guys have this conversation with old Randy or were you guys right into tables and computers? No, not really computers at all. He mentioned that computers were were being worked on. He was a computer geek. As a matter of fact, he is one of the algorithm um, developers for for like Sheck Exley's deepest dive there. You know, his we never really touched on that idea that the single 72 is impossible to to go into decompression zone due to its size. Um, and we didn't really even, you know, work with computers. We, we were strictly tables. We did talk that there were computers being developed, but we didn't have any and we didn't see any and we didn't really go into their operation or, or theory. You know, when I did my class, it was they were already at a point of gearing us towards you should be in a computer. Well, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. I'd, you could see it coming down the pike, I mean, uh, in that day. And, you you know, if you had a, an ounce of um, logic, you'd go, yeah, they're going to market the fuck out of this. Right. But, even at the time, you know, open water class, we really didn't even do much dive planning at all. I mean, we looked at a dive at the dive tables. Yeah, but not gas wise. But we, but basically on the dives, it was you know your instructor's going to tell you how deep you went. Your your instructor's going to give you your time. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I was going to say my well, Randy gave us a little more autonomy, kind of responsibility, as far as planning. But it was only the time in relation to decompression and not the time in relation to gas volume and whatnot. So, um, you know, it was, it was the usual, you know, be back on the surface or on the boat with 500, at least 500. Right. I mean, it, it, it took many years of diving and taking classes before I, I ever came really to the, to the lecture about, this is the way you determine how much gas you're going to go through on the bottom. Yeah. Rather than just watching the needle dwindle, 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 and don't let it get to the red zone. Yeah. I mean, I think as technical diving grew, it became much more critical. You know, gas, gas consumption is exponentially greater as you get deeper and deeper. And then, of course, with te- uh, cave diving and overhead environment diving it became more critical that you really monitor it in case there is an issue in an overhead because you just can't go up uh you know so they 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 started to put more emphasis on it i'm just trying to think in my head did did it develop already in the uh military and commercial diving realms the gas consumption calculations or the idea of having a reserve for your team well, and whatnot. Yeah, because here is where old Robert Smith is telling the people, nah, nah, if you do the math, that that whole thing about decompression in the single tank is not true. Exactly. Right. And they were looking back then of he knew that people had different consumption rates and it depended it was dependent on that as well, right? Like if you're sucking at you know a cubic foot a minute or more 
on the surface versus barely breathing half a cubic foot, it's going to make a big difference on what that that bottom time will allow you to do with that single tank. Oh, absolutely. I'm curious, what is uh, Captain Smitty's background? What is his job? Is he a doc? Is he over there at, like, uh, aerospace medicine at Brooks? Because they do a bit of work with uh, hype. Well, Brooks Air Force Base had, at the time, had a... uh, the world's biggest compression chamber. It was, it's, you know, basically like a, they had surgical suites and recovery rooms. And and when I say at the time, this is when I was in the service. And they had, um, you know, rooms that could hold like 15, 20 people that were compression chambers for their medical studies and whatnot. Yeah, he did a lot with uh, the Air Force and and air and pressure. He was a doctor of filling the airplane tires, making sure that they're at the appropriate PSI really? prior to takeoff. He, <laughs> really? <laughs> I have no, I have no idea. It doesn't, it doesn't say. It doesn't give us background. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, even back then, you're saying 1969. 1969. So we had the U-2 and uh, spy plane. And you have to wear, I mean, you... No, U-2 didn't come out till the 80s. <laughs> Bono. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is a different U-2. But that that aircraft, the, the driver wears an astronaut suit. They had to do a lot of uh, work with pressurized people (laughs) so there was a bunch of studying going on smitty says this was not my first discussion on the subject in february 1967 i had occasion to exchange correspondence with the boating editor of the miami herald relative to an article entitled tank it can be safe tanks for nothing so we had an exchange. I'm curious how it how it went. Like, listen, you cocksucker, this tank can exceed the no decompression limits. Was he screaming at him, pointing in his face? Drop down and give me 25. I'm sure the, this was a time where scuba, you know, the blossoming scuba companies are advertising a bit in some of these boating magazines. Like, hey, here's a whole market of people that are already water lovers. Yeah. That we can get, you know, into scuba class, get into buying some of our equipment. Uh, We just need to let them know that it's super safe. You can buy uh, one of these tanks and you can't get in trouble. It holds the perfect (laughs) amount of gas. Come on down and learn to scuba dive. Super safe. Now, Smitty says, basically, I disagreed with the assertion that one cannot be exposed to decompression sickness while using a single tank. His reply stated, your figures make sense, though they disagree with the tabular material made available by the U.S. Navy and diving equipment manufacturers. Despite this, I submit that asserted safety of the single tank is a fallacy. Well, that just goes to show you just because everybody's saying it doesn't make it true. Okay? There's a bit of wisdom for you from an old man. 
Wisdom. Wisdom. We're laying wisdom on our audience today, on the listener. Here's some wisdom. Dropping, we're dropping science. We're dropping, no, not science. Science has, has become a religion these days. It's a sad state of affairs. Don't get me going. Picture, if you will, a world <laughs> where science has been warped and not questioned anymore. And that's this whole thing is this guy's questioning something and he's got the goods to back it up. But people are still like, but but there's they it, everybody says this, you know, welcome to the church of Henry's law. <laughs> Do you perform marriages? <laughs> please, please open your hymn books <laughs> to 60 feet. <laughs> We're going to sing along yes. with me. No decompression shepherd. <laughs> Billman is my shepherd. <laughs> he shall not, I shall not want. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember from my days as a preacher. Smitty says, no one will quarrel with the fact that a single tank is generally safer than doubles. However, what? With I'll hold quarrel. on, hold on. We're going we'll to come back to hold on. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to it. Hold on. However, with the latter, the diver can ensure that the duration of his air supply is sufficient to permit decompression if required. So, I, what he's saying there in the safer, and this is something that really illustrates the fact that we're talking. Over half a century ago, yeah, right. I mean, I mean, we're talking not even 1970 yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that they are getting this idea that it's less safe because of more complexity and failure points. But well, that and what I think I think what he's saying is the um, the, the doubles will give you enough gas to you, stay down long enough to get into. Yeah, trouble. but what he's saying is the, the you know the the old adage of well. The single tank is safer because the doubles are going to get you in trouble because you can stay too long, and then now you've got decompression to do. The mentality there is let's let's um, restrict the one thing they need to live because if they have too much of it, they'll have to you know actually dive and know what they're doing. You know, uh, it's like keeping keeping cars out of the hands of the public because they might get in an accident. You know, keep them on the bikes. It's safer. Or dual fuel tanks. Yeah, because... It's bad because that could get you on too far of a drive where you're in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Exactly. Exactly. But, 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 you know, gas management and gas planning was at a... It's the Stone I mean, Age. Uh, I, I would say at a, at a different level, or I might even say at its infancy. It's if you could even consider it infancy, it... If not, didn't even really exist. It was a couple, a couple of uh, would-be parents talking about maybe having a baby that they would call gas planning. <laughs> maybe they haven't even conceived it yet. Right, they're in the courting. They're in the courting <laughs> stages. When we get married, we'll we'll have a baby and we'll call it gas planning. They're at like the second base of <laughs> gas planning right now. Which, which is just getting to know the. Cubic foot yes. per minute breathing rates, kind of thing, a sac rate. Yes, it's it's like uh, th this is like the putting your hand on the the thigh of of cubic footage per minute. <laughs>
Nothing good can come of that. Smitty says, one who encounters decompression with a single tank does so accidentally and may run short of air before completing, indeed, even commencing the proper decompression procedure. Since air volume is so important, I think it is worth further examination in greater detail. Agreed. Yeah, me too. Like, like this is stuff that, you know, when you were, I mean, if you were just a uh, beginning blossoming scuba diver back in, you know, the late 60s, hell, I would say even into the, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, this is like a valuable little discussion. Extremely. I mean, this is at the root, or I mean, it's right at the center of a safe dive plan. Root, center, whatever. It is, I would say, the cornerstone of safe dive planning. I would say it's the it, capstone <laughs> of safe diving. Planning. I would say it's the Rosetta Stone <laughs> of gas planning. I would say it's the Philosopher's Stone of all scuba diving. <laughs> I think this is starting to sound like the Blarney Stone. <laughs> there we <laughs> go. <laughs> I mean, to me, this is what separates an advanced diver from somebody with a certification card. Oh, yeah. Right? One of I mean, the, the characteristics, the, the, yeah. the advanced diver, you know, looks at the dive that they want to go do and says, this is where I want to go. This is how much gas I have to take with me so I can do this dive. If you can't do that simple thing, I wouldn't really call you an advanced diver. No. I don't even like you to steal that term diver from us that are divers. I don't like you to use it. You call yourself something else, a breather, an underwater breather, a tank breather. Because uh, because if you can't make that level of gas planning, I mean, you are really dependent mm-hmm. on holding the hand of the dive master right. or the dive guide, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where I was going to go is you will rely on someone else. And the funny thing is, uh, I bet most of the instructors and whatnot didn't do much of gas planning because it's just not talked about included or even you know glanced over it's just the be up with 500 on your back that's it right and and even nowadays that they're trying to do a little bit more gas management in even the open water class you know where they go hey yeah you need to be on the boat with 500 you you should have 300 for your ascent so start the dive with 800 psi and manage accordingly they're still not taking into account all the old gas laws and actually allowing a diver at an early level to, to look at, hey, I'm going to go to this depth, you know, 60 feet, you know, 18 meters out there uh, as a open water diver, accepted limit, three at as a depth, being able to determine how much gas I'm going to go through. Right. They didn't give them the, the tools to, to make calculations on that. They just said this is what it is. And, and they do it from the backside, right? They go, just watch the needle. Don't let it get below this number. Right. Rather than, like, teaching, by knowing you've been in the water for 20 minutes, you already should have a good idea where that needle's going to be pointing before you grab the gauge. Well, yeah. I mean, it's much like driving your car. You don't have to stare at your, stare at your uh, gas, your fuel gauge, the whole time. You have an idea. I drove for four hours at 25 or whatever, 50 miles an hour. This is where my gas gauge is going to be. This is how much per gallon I get, which is kind of uh, equivalent to the sack rate for you, a human. Now, back in 1969, the the scuba tank was the Steel 72. 
course it was. Especially over here for us Yanks. I don't know. I don't know what those uh, Brits and Aussies were. Like some kind of leader thing. (laughs) They got a different word for everything. Yes, they have different words for everything. (laughs) They need to get on one standard. That's right. Not us. (laughs) Arrogant American shows his face. Most divers assume that a fully charged tank gives them 71.2 cubic feet of air supply. This is true only if the proper pressure is used. During World War II, the ICC permitted compressed gas cylinders to be shipped, which carried a 10% overcharge. This was necessitated by the shortage of transportation, which then existed. This allowance is still in effect, and companies which sell scuba tanks use it and rate their cylinders at a pressure which includes the overcharge. Yeah, when you have a steel tank and you get that that little plus sign stamped on it on the hydro stamp, that gives the filler the legal ability to um, fill it up to 10% over the stamped on pressure. So if it's stamped on at 2250, you can fill it with an extra 225 PSI, which gives it a full capacity of 2475 PSI, and that gives you the 71.2 cubic feet. Right. Or 10 liters at 200 bar for our our lads and lasses overseas, over the pond. 10 liters. 10 liters at 200 bar. So in their little system, you have to to give the pressure as well as the uh, volume. Volume of the cylinder, like as if you were to... to like take that cylinder and fill it with water. It would hold 10 liters, 10 liters of water. Right, and then you can fill it to 200 bar, which a bar is not quite an, a- an atmosphere. It's 14.5 PSI versus an atmosphere is 14.7. But 200 bar is roughly, it's roughly three, well, almost 3,000 PSI. But If you're filling the 200 bar and the cylinder holds 10 liters, you've got, 2,000 liters of gas you're working with. Right. Yeah. Except for us. <laughs> we just deal with cubic feet. Uh, yes. PSI. I don't know which one's really, really easier or, or better. Know, I think they're fine. They're either fine, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, the, the, the fight is going to go on till the end of times, I think. But uh, it's just whatever the you're using, the other one seems way harder. Yeah. Yes. It does because well, I had to learn in bar, in meters, uh, over there in uh, old Cypress. Well, I've learned. I've learned in a bar too. <laughs> I learned a lot at a bar, <laughs> and I had a few liters. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag true facts. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think it's two hundred bar. I think uh, I'm looking at a chart right here, and I think the chart is wrong. I think it's more like hundred and eighty bar. On the 72, yes, yeah, I think so. because yeah, 200 the, 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 bar would be overpressurized. Yeah, the 11-liter, what we would call an aluminum 80, is the 200 bar. But Yeah. But just for round numbers, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I think the people understand that. I hope so. We're not allowed to make mistakes. What? what? I know exactly. <laughs> We're not? <laughs> I've been doing it on purpose. Oh, Tiffany, Tiffany, you're going to have to go back uh, 272 shows and, and uh, do some editing, yes. post, post-editing. If the cylinder has been through its required five-year hydrostatic test, 
it usually is not approved for the 10% overcharge due to the internal metal fatigue, which has weakened it. In this case, the maximum rated pressure of 2250 PSI provides a volume of 64.63 cubic feet. Tanks with a plus mark can safely be filled with the overcharge. Therefore, a quick rule of thumb for computing air supply is 2.88 cubic feet per 100 PSI. On a 72. On a 72. Yeah. Tank factors. Tank factors. Quick working numbers to uh, let you calculate how much gas you got left, how much you've used, how to make a plan. Yeah. Aluminum 80s have a tank factor of 2.5. And a 40 is is 1.2. Which gives you, right, a good, quick, in-your-head estimation of the volume of gas that you have. With you, That's, right? So, I mean, uh, a, a, an, an aluminum 80 with 3,000 PSI at a tank factor of 2.5 is 75, right? Well, Which aluminum 80 in reality 77. is 77 and some change, not truly 80. So, for quick, easy, roundable numbers that you can do in your head, it's a pretty handy tool that old Smitty was giving us back in 1969. Thanks, Smitty. Somebody was on the ball. Leave it to an Air Force guy. <laughs> I wouldn't hear about this tank factor thing for another nearly 40 years. Yeah. That was always, I mean, it was stuff like that that just made you go, man, this, and it seems so evident, so self, you know, so self-apparent, like, this should be basic in an open water class. Right. I remember, you know, in the early 2000s when... I first heard of this kind of gas planning with tank factors. and I, I remember my jaw being on the floor going, what? Why, why is this the first time I'm hearing this? Yeah. So what Smitty's basically showing us is most people at the time were taking this 72, which was the slang term for the bottle. Right. Because right, as, as we did the math, we find out it's really 71.2. Right. But in reality, after five years, it's really only, you know, 64. Yeah, if you don't get the plus put back on it after the hydro. Now, I know for years in the, you know, into the 70s and 80s, a lot of hydro facilities would re-plus them. Uh, they yeah. eventually got in trouble for that, and that had to stop. Really? They can't re-plus anymore? I don't think so, no. So? Unless you're in Florida... In, in northern they Florida, in cave country, yeah. then they give plus, 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 plus. They plus. don't pay attention to those numbers anyway. They don't do, and they just, they add up every plus that, <laughs> for every five years, and they keep uh, adding that onto the fill. Basically, Florida steel tanks are hydrostatically tested at every fill. They do hi- dry <laughs> hydros every time you exactly. go get a fill. Hot, <laughs> dry hydros. But this is going to become the basis for the decompression discussion. Because it's the one factor that, you know, when everybody, you know, was looking at dive tables, it's part of the, it should be part of the discussion, but it rarely is. Usually gas planning is one lecture in your training, and then the decompression planning is another lesson in training. But learning to put those two together and how they work together is a a critical element in being a calculated thinking diver. Absolutely. I can't agree more. 
Smitty says the factor of bottom time is defined in the new science of skin and scuba diving as the number of minutes that elapse from the moment you leave the surface to the moment you start your ascent, not just the time actually spent on the bottom. Exactly. That's basic 101. Yeah, and that's still taught today, right? Yeah. Your actual bottom time is the moment you descend until the moment you decide we're making a direct ascent to the surface. Right. Now, Brando, I actually have a copy of the new revised edition of the new science of skin and scuba diving right here in my fingers. What a coincidence. That's amazing. This is, uh, now, this is a revised in 1970 edition, so pretty darn close to this. And in here, they do have a no decompression limits table of what we're talking about, 100 feet for 25 minutes as that baseline. But they do say bottom time is the total elapsed between leaving the surface and starting an ascent, not just time spent at the maximum depth. Note that it would rarely be possible to make a dive to 150 feet or more, accomplish any useful work there, and be ready to start up all within five minutes. So attempting to make such deep dives on a no-decompression basis is seldom advisable. Good advice. Yeah, that's a great advice because it's, it's you know, really telling the diver back then that you know, this isn't just like a magic zone. That staying within those tables is, is the holy grail of comfort and safety. Smitty says the maximum duration of this quantity is determined by three variables. Depth, air supply, and rate of consumption. And these can be combined to produce the following formula. Bottom time equals V over D divided by 33 plus 1 times R. Hell yes. I was going to say that. Depth divided by 33 plus 1 basically being your depth in atmospheres absolute. Right, getting the absolute atmospheres at us, if you will. But look, and then looking at a consumption rate, right? For, right. for divers today, we would know that as a sac rate or a surface consumption rate. Which has to be converted to depth, and that's exactly what he's doing here. But yeah. Yeah, and this is applying something as simple as Boyle's Law to... An entry-level scuba dive. Yeah, it's simple stuff. Uh, which, man. which nowadays, you know, they don't even mention boil. Get you know, boil. We can't or talk any of the gas, gas laws. laws. Yeah, you don't talk any of the gas laws by name because it seems too too big of a. That's too heavy of a concept, man. I think that is a huge insult to the general public. Don't don't you? I mean, it's just an insult. Like you're too stupid to handle the knowledge of a gas law, like knowing pressure and volume are inversely related in a flexible container. Kind right. Of I get it that an open water diver shouldn't have to learn, you know, and be a physicist level. No, but you have to learn some physics laws. But you, exactly. You're, you're going to a place where everything that you know about physics doesn't <laughs> really apply the same way anymore. Well, it, it does. It's just you're in a different place. I mean, all the physics laws apply, but you have to know how how they apply in this new in this new place right. that we're in. Right. You're yeah, because the, the game's changing. You're in a new medium. You went from air to something that's super dense compared to air. That's what's surrounding you now, and 
you don't have air, so you can't breathe it. You need to take some with you. As an example, Smitty tells us, assume a diver is using a cylinder filled with 2475. That's 2,475 PSI, which affords him an air supply of the full 71.2 cubic feet. If he also has a J-valve set to 300 PSI and doesn't wish to use it except for his ascent, his total air supply is 62.5 cubic feet. Yeah, he's assuming that you've got that entire gas supply to use. Right. This is one of the other problems with a lot of the gas planning is it takes a look at that bottle that you have on your back for you. It doesn't take in that very important step in our gas planning, (laughs) which is let's start, you know, just assuming the worst case that we might have to share gas and not be able to use this whole thing ourselves. Right. And we'll have to share gas at our deepest point and our furthest penetration if we're penetrating. So, yeah, if you take that into account, now you really have a solid basis for a gas plan and you work backwards. What am I going to need to get up and do my a safe ascent rate and make any necessary stops. As a safety precaution against decompression, a volume of 60 cubic feet will be used. So instead of the 62.5, they're going to round it down to 60 being available. Easy for math and the, you know gives you a little cushion. Even. Yeah, exactly. That, and that's how the, the whole premise of the, the tank factor mentality is, right? Make it simple, make it conservative. So if anything, we're hedging the bet a little bit on the safer side anyways. Exactly. Which... That and, and like back in these days when, when they're doing the calculations to 62.5 or, or earlier, we were looking at, you know, at 2250, the tank is actually 64.63. I mean, I remember back in my very first INTD nitrox class in the early 90s, you know, that final exam was a 100-question exam. Yeah. 80 questions was tables and calculations yeah. and planning. Yeah, planning does, and And yeah. you were doing stuff to the, the – te- not even the tenths, but hundredths of a percent. <laughs> yes. You know, on the on the on the decimal, uh-huh. and there's so many variables in there. Yeah. To to try to pinpoint that exact is is foolish, because it you is know, a, a, for- a current kicks up or you get a little tight. I mean, you throughout the dive are going to have so many variations. Yeah. Of course, but I think in the case of what INTD was doing there, I applaud them. I think that was great. They taught you how to arrive at your calculations, how to do the math, you know, not, they did not give you the quick workaround like we, we have in in our respective agencies, which you still have have, to learn how to do the math, right? You still need to learn. You you got to learn the long math. Right. And then you see where the short, I I don't want to call it shortcuts, but it kind of is, it's the short, uh, what's that shorthand version where you can just whip out a gas plan in your head or at depth, you know, anywhere uh, with minimal complexity, really. Right. It's you got to know the long math to be able to do the scuba math. Bingo. You know, it's the difference of having an aluminum 80 or actually having an aluminum (laughs) 77.4 versus I got 75 cubic feet of gas. Right. Quick, quick scuba math. Right. And then, you know, 
calculating uh, your consumption rate too is something every diver should be taught how to do, how to figure out what kind of consumption rate you're, you're at. And it takes a few dives. Yeah, and a lot of divers, all they have for understanding what their consumption rate is is by having an air-integrated computer that they look at the end of, at the end of the dive when they're downloading it, and it says, oh, yeah, my sack rate was 0.5. Well, and a lot of them don't even give sack rate. They give you a consumption rate at depth. Of, yeah, like volume per minute. Right, which isn't a sack rate. A sack rate is what gives you the ability to translate it into any depth. And any bottle. And any bottle, right. And if you're just letting the computer do it, right, the computer takes into account the time at the beginning of the dive where you're in 10 feet of water just kind of yeah. waiting for your buddy to to square himself away and, and pull the camera out and you're just sitting there doing nothing as well as the part where you're swimming around trying to get somewhere as well as the ascent and sitting on the safety stop. It's all rolled into one rather than knowing, you know, what you need when you're working versus what you need when you're not working. Right. Which is what, again, what an advanced diver, I mean, part of it, that advanced training should be learning to figure out manually what my consumption rate is and how to plan the dive yeah so that when you do send that diver to 100 feet of water which you're giving them a card to tell them they can go do they should know that in 20 minutes i'm going to go through 60 cubic feet of gas (laughs) at least yeah just on that part so he gives us a table here of bottom times for various depths and breathing rates where good old smitty basically worked through the math for everybody and published it in the, the article here. And he says that table one was computed using this and three different gas rates for a series of depths from zero to 160 feet. The no decompression limit is shown at the bottom of the table. The circled figures indicate the conditions under which a decompressive dive is encountered while using a single tank. Yeah, so I mean, that or- little chart that he's made up I would say nearly one-third of, of those values are past the no decompression limit. <laughs> right, yeah. So he gives us, you know, breathing rate in one cubic foot of gas per minute, three-quarters of a, and half of a cubic foot per minute. So 0.75 it, and 0.5. Right. <laughs> Zero. It's easier to do the math. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's not, I don't think it's difficult at all to exceed even even at a great breathing rate of uh, a half a cubic foot a minute. Right, because if you're in 100 feet of water using one cubic foot of gas per minute, you're going to only get 15 minutes out of that cylinder. Right. So in that 0.75, case... 0.75... Right. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. You, you're right on. Points, 0.75, you're going to go through that 60 cubic feet in 20 minutes. And this being in the day where they're, they're giving the no decompression limit of 25 minutes, if you're a good, really advanced, competent, relaxed diver that can breathe, you know, a 0.5 consumption rate, you could potentially get upwards of 30 minutes out of that cylinder, which then would put you over the limit of your no decompression limit. Exactly. So the better breather you are the more likely you are to get into trouble as far as decompression. 
Right, which is a bit of an oxymoron when, right. when you look at like the how the the thinking is planned. Like here, it would be disadvantageous to be a good, competent, relaxed, safe diver. Well, you, you would can be, get in trouble. You would, be, mm-hmm. you would theoretically be safer by being the air hog. <laughs> well, you'd be safer in the, from the decompression viewpoint, ah. but you're not safer in the "oops, I don't have any more gas" viewpoint or stance. Which is w- weird how things evolved over the years. Yeah. I, of, of, of the whole world of bigger tank to combat, I go through air fast. Yeah, I mean, it's just a mentality um, change is all it is. I guess from looking at the new divers as kids that we have to keep from getting in, into trouble to looking at them as trained, certified, qualified divers. The difference being there was a time when you were given the the numbers and the math and the theory yeah. versus today when you're just given technology to do it all for you. And if you're not allowed to stay as long, that's what the bigger tank was for. Yeah. yeah that's the problem with technology. Yeah, it makes a lot of things easier, but it also uh, handicaps us. Yeah, exactly. Great point. Smitty lets us know that based on the above in that table, it must be concluded that it is possible to encounter decompression problems while using a single tank. This possibility emphasizes the necessity for planning your dive and then checking its progress with a watch and a depth gauge. Uh, Not just waiting for the beat, right? (laughs) Well, you had to be a little more aware, right? You had to... You had to uh, actually monitor your dive and know where you were and uh, depth-wise and, and even location-wise and how much gas you had and what your decompression schedule is. So, Yeah, if you're breathing at a .75 and you're going to 100 feet, four atas, where now you're breathing three cubic feet of gas right. a minute, you know that in 20 minutes you're going to consume... That's 60 feet of gas. That's So that's all of it. And, well, every, every, every bit of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So you really don't have that. And I was going to also say At, 0.75 is not a bad consumption rate. It's probably pretty average. When I usually, when I would teach, I would tell people to assume you're at 0.75 if you don't know your, your consumption rate. So 0.75 is like your average diving. Deco is like 0.5 and working is one. Kind of thing, and then you look at the numbers after that. After that assumption, you don't right because if you're consuming more than that, it's important that you still got to figure that out and know. Yeah, right. And then the other side of this is is where if you've got sixty cubic feet to work with, and you know you're breathing three cubic feet a minute at that depth, that when you your watch shows 20 minutes of bottom time Uh-oh. you know you're going to be at that zone right that's how the other way you use that yeah you're going to start sucking a chocolate shape through like a coffee stirring straw time to pull that reserve switch oh pull the j valve <laughs> All right, Captain Smitty closes out by saying, using this procedure, one can adjust bottom time so as to stay within the no decompression limits, even if the actual dive deviates from that planned. Remember, prevention of decompression sickness is a lot simpler than its treatment. (laughs) Agreed, as we learned from last week's episode. 
Absolutely. You know, it can get ugly. It can get ugly if you let it get out of hand. You don't pay attention or you in that in last week's episode, I'm just like it's a blatant like, oh, these rules we learned uh, they're for the little people, not us big time. New Zealand dudes. <laughs> well, you can see what was happening too, right? Because I mean, the the article this week is from the late '60s. The article last week froze was, I mean, this was not even a decade later. You know, in the early to mid '70s is when this was occurring. Yeah. So the in the information was there, but it's so easy to just uh, to dumb down the, the science of scuba. Well, yeah, right? and, and and just take it for granted. Of hey, man, it's just it's scuba. We're having fun and. That's what it's all about. Just look at the fishies and and be in happy Happyville. Yeah, I mean, that's ex- I mean, essentially that's what's happened is it's been dumbed down so there's no thinking, or very little thinking, and every dive is almost a trust me dive in the in the sense of you're trusting that computer to function, uh, you're trusting the gear to function, you're trusting the dive master to not get you lost. Uh, all those things, there's a lot of trusting issues versus knowing and doing yourself, you know. Agreed, yeah. It's, we do live in a world of trust and assume, trust and assume. And that gets no, you know, even old Smitty would tell you what assume, assume means in the military. Smitty knew. Smitty knew. <laughs> we all know in the service. Yeah, it makes an ass out of you and me because at some point, what you're assuming to take place isn't what's taking place. And that's, that's when uh, the doo-doo hits the propellers. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the whole reason we're going scuba diving is because we want to go down and have a good time. We want to have fun. And for me, it, it's really hard to like relax and have fun and just look at the fish and look at the show if I'm trusting someone else to get me home and I'm assuming, you know, someone else or some piece of technology is doing everything for me. I can have way more fun by just doing a little bit of thinking before the dive to know what, what is already supposed to be happening. You know what I mean? I do, exactly. I'd, I'd much rather know what's going on with my equipment, my body, the environment, my team, rather than just letting things tell me where to go and what to do or people to tell me where to go and what to do. That's why I became a certified diver, not just a, you know, go get the scuba experience down in Cozumel or whatever, wherever Caribbean destination. Yeah, there's a big difference between being a diver and having gone through a scuba experience. Good good analogy well yeah i mean there's a big difference it's huge and that's what we i think we've been emphasizing in this podcast over the five years is you should know what you're doing you should know what's going on and not just merely relying on electronics or a person on the boat that you don't even know you don't even know this person and you're assuming they're great at what they do because they have the job but I can tell you firsthand, a lot of people have jobs that they have no business doing. None. Zero business. <laughs> Listen, you know what I know? I know that um, my lawnmower 4.0 has been getting some work lately. Well, hell yes. That, uh, that, that uh, weekend down in that Austin, Texas heat. The heat. Man, I was, 
the, the, it was 107. But thanks to the lawnmower 4.0, that area, and not just the lawnmower 4.0. We just won't give it to the lawnmower 4.0. You got to give it to the crop reviver. Thank you. And the I mean, I mean, I mean, my 4.0. That thing was like, like a gorilla with a machete hacking through the the, <laughs> the jungles of uh, you know. Uh, a gorilla uh, or so, gr- gorilla like a gorilla warfare or an actual gorilla. Gr- yeah, a gorilla, not gorilla. Okay, gorilla. a gorilla. Okay, yes, a mine gorilla. was like a whole army of gorilla warfare soldiers hacking through the South American jungles. It was like a swamp. And they, I mean, that thing. And there was a python. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It was, it was an anaconda. But, but that lawnmower 4.0, you know, blazed the trail of safety right past that anaconda that any dive buddy would know that they're safe down there. <laughs> Damn straight. <laughs> the replaceable ceramic blades. Adjustable guard sizes, man. It's it's you know you can you can get it wet. It's wirelessly charged. I mean, uh, I mean that lawn mower four very important in that environment. And like you said, I mean it, it it really came down to the crop cleanser and that reviver and preserver kept you cool and collected in a what could have been. I mean, bad. 170 degrees is, is hot, hot stuff. Oh, it, could have I been mean, really bad. I mean, it, it, plus it was humid. So that with oh. the heat index, it was like upwards of like 115, 118. It's not the heat, it's the humidity. That's what they say. I mean, I, I, we're sitting in 94 degree shade waiting for uh, the, the food truck to dump us out some delicious tacos. Some hot peppers. I, I mean, just like, <laughs> like pouring sweat, yes. uh, uh, sitting in the shade in a rocking chair. Well, it's a nice feeling having that confidence, knowing that uh, in the the nether regions are cool, calm, and collected in the times of heavy duty heat and humidity. I mean, we we got back. I mean, I, I had one little you know dollop of crop cleanser in my hand, <laughs> washing my washing my groin up, nice, gentle, clean prebiotic infused formula wash this stuff loaded with vitamin e the uh you know the area which could have been a disaster it was a you know nice supple well hydrated uh soft wonderful area we go we went out to dinner you know a couple of little little spritzes of the old crop reviver just tone up the balls and give them a little refresher before like we uh, new man. Oh, I, was like, I was like a new man down there and and just remember when you're putting that stuff on that if you you take more than like 15 seconds you're playing with it. So let's keep it clean, people. Oh 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 oh! I, I was <laughs> exactly 16 seconds. Here we go. Well, nothing wrong with having a little fun. I always say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, you can go have some fun too. Manscape.com. Uh, put in the code TGDP. Uh, you guys have been uh, purchasing some stuff. I got a, a message from them. Uh, they're, they're digging old Great Dive podcasts, and they want to continue working with us. So thanks, everybody. Get out there and keep buying your Great Dive podcast products. Not at the store. Go to manscaped.com. Put in the code TGDP. That way uh, you get the 20% off and free shipping. You can just sit in your bedroom, letting everything get musty and hairy and jungly <laughs> so that when you do actually use that 
crop cleanser and uh, that lawnmower 4.0, it, you can really put it to the test to see how good this product is. I like it. Brando. Hit me. What do you think there, Brando? Decompression in the single tank. Well, I, I like that old Captain Smitty uh, was on the ball. He wasn't afraid to go against the the mainstream bullshit being forced into uh, students' heads um, without really... I mean, I have to believe they never really examined that urban myth, kind of, you know, the 72 is impossible to get bent on. As we know, it's not impossible. And old Smitty put the numbers out to show you. This is why it's not impossible. Let's let's throw this this old idea out the door or out the window and let's get on to actually training people how to plan a dive properly. Yes. So I mean with with this, like we said earlier, you know, you're you're rounding, you know, you're you're getting the second base of gas planning. And that's like, what it's all next, about. Uh, is trying to score. <laughs> and the way you, <laughs> the way you score uh is is taking it to the next level too, right? Because here in these days, they're just assuming you're going to use everything, right? The, the next level is, you know, making sure that in that volume as well, you've got enough for your dive buddy to get home if you guys did have to share gas and doing the ascent in a way that's going to properly decompress you, not just bailing for the surface uh, if, if something goes wrong at, at a high rate of speed, which vi- is going to violate a whole nother part of that decompression conversation yeah so just that mentality alone to to say i'm not only going to have enough gas to get home i'm also going to have enough gas to get my partner home and we're going to have enough gas to get home safely with a proper ascent and and safety stops that that are required and uh do it together without having to just throw the idea of decompressing out the door just so we live right and that's where in 2022 a properly planned dive begins and if your instructor hasn't done that and taught you how to properly plan a dive you need to learn how to properly plan a dive all right everybody don't trust and assume let me uh let me sign your logbook here Brando. sign away um the uh, second base with you today was <laughs> very knowledgeable. Let's uh, let's see if we can go score around third on this dive. Uh, dear Jamesy, well, you will keep scoring as long as you keep using your crop reviver. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm squirting some newly received crop gel into my hand as we speak. Here we go, and the Great Dive Podcast. Go censored. Hits a, hits a new low. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us. Same bottom time. Same. Uh, cubic footage. What? Cubic footage? I could do yeah, that. Yeah, same bottom time. Same surface air consumption rate. How's that? Perfect. All right, everybody. <laughs>